Are you okay? Don't care. Great. Bring on the bubbly. Babe. Hello, hello, podsters. Welcome back to the show. This is Teeny with Are You Okay? Now, before we get into this episode, we're going to have to address something, a pressing subject, if you will. Smooth my balls. This is a kick-ass company that is delivering kick-ass products to keep everything running smoothly down there. Now, I know you're probably wondering, like, why are we hearing about this through this chick? Well, I'm all for hair. I know it's natural, but I've got to be able to do my job down there, if you know what I mean. So I've got a man here with me today to discuss the product. So babe, take it away. What do you think about the Turf Chopper 3.0? Turf got chopped. Balls are silky smooth. folks we have a man's opinion you're gonna want to head on over to smoothmyballs.com to take advantage of my exclusive offer with the code are you okay at checkout for 15% off your turf chopper 3.0 or maybe the hedge clippers or the pewd muncher or all three of them okay head on over to smoothmyballs.com for 15% off with the code are you okay at checkout letter r letter u letter o letter k let's clean it up down there okay free international shipping awesome warranty and no more nipping that sack of yours Now that we've settled that, let's get into the episode. Welcome back to the show, Podsters. This is episode 22, and we've got two episodes after this to wrap up season two and to graduate from the leveling up process. Gonna have to get some certificates made. I'm still a little raspy, as you can hear, because I am taking full advantage of what the rest of the summer has in store for me before I start a brand new opportunity. Now, I don't want to announce it just quite yet because... Lo and behold, this year and the way things have gone during the pandemic, it almost feels a little too good to be true, 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 which is what Gen Z is saying these days, as well as facts. And the fact is, podsters, I've got an awesome opportunity coming up, and I will share it with you as soon as I'm in the flesh, and you can join me on the journey. Until then, we've got two more episodes after today with kick ass guests to keep the leveling up process running smoothly so we can step into our power. We're going to be discussing some heavy stuff next week and then I've got quite the finale in store. But let's talk about today. Today I have one of my close friends coming on the show, Chloe Bardos. We go way back in each other's journey and it's actually one of my first in-person interviews in a long time, which was awesome to kind of sit there and feed off of each other's energy. She was here in Toronto. She's going to explain why and we kind of go full circle with her story from dance into fitness into launching her own company during the pandemic and how she stumbled into a specific fitness class a couple of years ago and now she is becoming the founding member of this specific studio and kind of international company. I want her to tell you 
all of the above. I don't want to reveal too much, but I am insanely proud of her. And I'm so proud that she's come on here and been quite vulnerable with everyone. And she's stepping into her own power. And I really hope that her story inspires you to do the same. Okay, podsters, I have my first in-person guest in a long ass time because we are faxed and waxed. I have Chloe Bardos from Chloe Bar Fitness here with me. She's actually in Toronto. We will tell you why very soon. But podsters, please welcome Chloe. Hi guys. Hi podsters. Yeah, she's also a podster. You love the show, right Chloe? Love it. Listen to it every week. Are you okay? No. <laughs> Never, as Tini would say. Yes, I have mentioned my infamous Vegas trip on the show before. She was there and we were severely and clinically insane. Not okay. Not okay. So guys, Chloe is here in Toronto. She is a former Barry's Boot Camp instructor at the Australia location, correct? Yes. And now what are you doing here in Toronto? I am training to be a part of the Barry's Bootcamp founding team in Vancouver. Woo! Congrats, my love. Very exciting stuff. Now, Chloe and I actually grew up in Montreal together. We grew up, what, like a street apart? A street away. We grew up dancing together. We didn't go to school together. And funny funny story, Chloe's actually, you know, a couple years younger than me. But don't worry, guys. We always had a fake ID for her. This is true. I am... Younger than teeny. I haven't hit 30 yet, but coming. It's coming. Uh, you still got time. You still got time. But, podsters, Chloe is somewhat of a globe trotter. She's lived in multiple cities. She's relocating to Vancouver. And this past year during the pandemic, she actually had to start from the ground up, would you say? Yeah. So I was living, um, a little backstory. Mm -hmm. I was living in Australia for a little over two and a half years. And when the pandemic happened, um, I was originally going to stay in Australia because I got stood down from my job, which is just like a temporary pause. Like being furloughed. Yeah. Essentially like we were going to, when we were going to reopen, I would have kept working, but I didn't know how long that was for. And then the government started, you know, fear advertising everything. And they said that they were going to stop, um, airlines flying international flights especially from Australia Australia to Canada and so I hopped on a plane when I heard that I packed up my entire life in two days in less than two days booked a flight an extremely overpriced flight because yeah. there was nothing available <laughs> and uh, moved back to Montreal to live with my parents obviously because I didn't know what else to do and yeah, the rest was history. Then I had no idea what I was doing, why I was in Montreal, what to do during a pandemic. But uh, I sorted myself out and out of boredom and just trying to figure out what to do when you're self-employed. I created my own business and it's gone really amazing. So it's been a great year overall. Yes. So it's called Chloe Bar Fitness. And essentially what you started doing from my point of view was so smart, Chloe. You were doing these Instagram lives for free, these free at-home workouts as we were all, you know, dare I say, putting on the COVID patty. There's nothing wrong with that. There, I'm not shaming that. I'll use myself as an example, you know, just blob on the couch style, which is exactly what we were told to do by the government. And you were just there with these free workouts and I was doing them and you kind of built this tribe I would say and then Chloe started charging for these challenges 
a long time after actually like I was pretty behind on the charging people for the workout thing because I just genuinely like I was broke like well broke I mean I wasn't making any money when I first moved to Canada and so I was like well I wouldn't be able to afford workouts right now so like I want people in the same situation to be able to also you know continue to work out and have like a high quality workout like my workouts were pretty solid from my living room as solid as they can be from your living room and so <laughs> I wanted everybody to uh, you know have the accessibility of doing these workouts for free and I just also for a little while it was like I didn't even know how I would start you know making this into a business or how to start charging people so I did it all the way till December for free like we went from really yeah we went from March to December for free Whoa. and my first challenge was in December when people everybody was messaging me saying hey you need to turn this into a business like people were pushing they were they were like I would pay for this so I was like okay well finally I was like I hopped on board after a long time and was like okay let's do this I didn't realize it was that long yeah. and that's when you go this year didn't happen right yeah it's a blur, but I remember really long. even then, Chloe, your challenges were so affordable, mm -hmm. right? Like, I think you were charging under 30 bucks at first for yeah, four only, weeks. No, it was for two weeks. So two we did weeks. 25 for two weeks, yeah. Right, and then you slowly built it to four. And anyways, mm -hmm. I just want to say I did every single challenge. Not going to pat myself on the back, but I'm going to. Yeah, killing it, killing it. And you definitely contributed to some of my weight loss, Chloe, because, you know, I... I think I have a very healthy relationship with my body, with eating. I've never really struggled. I've always been on the thinner side, quote unquote, because I grew up with, you know, very healthy food. I was always very active, just like you. And then, you know, getting older and just not moving my body as much, not serving, waiting tables, not performing, and just being low-key, kind of depressed with all of my industries and all of my streams of income being gone. Like, eating and drinking was like the highlight of my day. Right. And so I wasn't, you know, the... the the daily active shit that I was mm -hmm. normally used to, like it was starting to pile on a little bit. And so when I really, at first I was doing your challenges just to stay active, just to stay, you know, healthy, maybe to balance out the overeating that I was doing, which again, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a pandemic, do what you gotta do. But I, at one point I was like, okay, I'm done. I'm done with this. And I, I really kicked your challenges into more mm -hmm. of a high gear. Yeah. And I'm proud of myself for that. And you were always a, like, you know, so inspiring and so understanding. And why don't you tell the podsters what those personal workouts right. looked like and how you built them? Right. Well, one of the things that I'm most proud of, just to point, like, what you're saying right now, is that um, I think that I got a lot of people who didn't work out into working out. And I think part of that was out of boredom during COVID. People really had nothing to do. So even people who weren't fit or who had never done a workout with dumbbells were like, hey, this girl's doing them for free. Like, I might as well try it. something to do. Like, I really have no excuses and nothing else to right. do. So, like... I'm not saying, I don't know if you were a huge gym goer before, but like staying consistent four times a week and doing it from your house ended up being really convenient for most people. Like I was somebody who would have never imagined myself working out from home before the pandemic. I absolutely was, I love gyms. I love like the social aspect of going to a gym and like just seeing your friends and working out and using all this equipment to like being like, oh my gosh, I have to work out at home with the space of a yoga mat and then like learning to love it. So I think that that was like a big thing that I'm proud of during during this pandemic. But essentially um, what I started doing to answer your question 
was I started, well, as soon as I got back to Montreal, I was bored and I was like, okay, what do I do? After <laughs> you my, bored? After my two week quarantine, after flying back from Australia, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to start working out from home. Um, how do I do this? And so I programmed almost what you would program on a floor program at Barry's, which is because that was what I had just come out of. I just became, I was a Barry's instructor. I moved into, you know, doing what we did on the floor and, you know, changing it a little bit. So I still kept the concept of strength and cardio. And I liked the idea of incorporating the two, you know, working hard, building muscle, and then having you sweat and get your heart rate up a little bit. That's also a really great way to burn fat and like increase your metabolic rate. So for me, that was the idea behind those workouts. And so I started off kind of splitting the days as Barry's boot camp would. So like on a Thursday, we would do ass and abs. On a Monday, we'd do arms and abs and keeping that same setup to also kind of incite people who maybe worked out with me before to continue doing that. And yeah, the workouts would last between 30 and 50 minutes. And people like the shorter lengths and people like the longer yeah. lengths. So I kept a good mix of the two of them and essentially... Uh, when I started my business, I started filming them and then saving them and like sending out the recording or keeping a recording a uh, available so that people could do it when they were um, at home, not live. So you could do the workouts live with me and I could see you there and keep you accountable or you could do it later on if you weren't able to join live which allowed me to develop like an international client base like you could be in australia i had clients in singapore i had clients in ireland like super insane so i don't random. know where they came from but like that shows you the power of instagram and my business was solely created off my instagram following and you know i i really had clients from all over the world and having them on demand allowed them to you know do the workouts whenever and I felt like I had a pretty strong relationship with everybody in my challenges. Like I knew everyone's yeah. name. I was fully aware of everybody who was there and it was great. It still is great. So for people, it's, I'm obsessed. Okay guys. And to go back to kind of what you were saying originally as me, like I don't, I've always been very active, Chloe. You know, when we grew up dancing, we didn't have to worry about working out. We were doing it for fun, you know, and you, you always hear about dancers when they stop dancing, their bodies change or whatever. And so for me, it's like the tricky part and the hard part is getting to the gym. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have to go anywhere. It was my living room. So you're, you're right. There was no excuse. And like, you always feel better after you work out. And of course I had my days where I was like, fuck this. But for the most part, yeah, the, the accessibility to it was like a no brainer for me. So taking it back to Barry's a little bit for mm -hmm. those who don't know, I know Barry's is like internationally known, but what are those workouts? What do those look like in the red room? Okay, so an official <laughs> Barry's Bootcamp workout. Well, I should probably like say why I was into Barry's in the first place. So when I briefly lived in New York, uh, my friend Drake was working. So he was a dancer. So I used to be a dancer. Uh, I danced professionally at Moulin Rouge. And Drake was an American who lived there as well. And he's from New York. So... He started working at Barry's at the front desk when he was in New York City. And so when I was there, he was like, hey, come and do this workout. You'd probably like it. And at the time, like when I was a dancer, I didn't really work out in gyms. Like I've always been really fit and played a lot of sports, but I didn't go to the gym to lift weights. And so this was one of my first experiences in an actual gym. And it was this class that essentially resembles like a club. Like it's dark lighting, <laughs> it's red, like the music is loud. And there's a whole line of treadmills and a whole line of um, strength ben benches. 
And essentially the workout is half treadmill, half strength, okay? So you can flip back and forth from the treadmills and the benches. The trainers decide how long the rounds are. The trainers have full control over the programming. So we decide what you're doing on the floor, what you're doing on the treadmills. We program runs, we program uh, strength workouts. And so I went to that workout and I left and I had never experienced anything like it. I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. And I knew I wanted to work uh, for that company, but at the time they only had it in the US and New York City and obviously that wasn't going to be possible without a strong visa. <laughs> and so I always had that in mind and every time I would travel in the US I would go take a Barry's class. So I went to Miami, I went to a whole bunch of different locations and I was like, I'm obsessed with this. This needs to come to Canada, which eventually it did, but only in Toronto and I was like, this isn't going to work out either. And so when I moved to Australia, I heard that Barry's was opening and I applied and yeah, to make a long story short, then I did an audition process like a dancer. You literally, you legit have to audition to be a trainer and it was just the best experience. It heightened my experience in Australia uh, by a tenfold because it was amazing and I loved it. And it was also when I kind of made the switch in my mind that I was going to like work in fitness as my full-time job. Like before right. that I was teaching in Pilates, uh, I was teaching bar, but all part-time, like I was a full-time university student or I was working full-time and so I never like, and this sounds so bad, but this was such a big switch in my mind so I no longer think this, so don't hate me, but at the time I was like, being a fitness instructor isn't a full-time job, like what is that? Like PTs, they half the time they don't go to school, like as if I'm gonna do this full-time, like people don't take it seriously and they still don't, which is sad and that should be changed, but like I almost felt, felt embarrassed to say that that was like my full-time job. Whereas when I started working at Barry's and was in Australia, so I started, I taught Pilates, I taught bar, I taught Barry's and I was like working full-time, 40 hours in fitness and I was like, so happy I never got up like being upset to go to work like I was excited to go to yeah. work every day I got to work out all the time like for me it was living the dream and I was like oh my gosh this makes me so happy I'm gonna keep doing this so that mindset happened in 2018 when I moved to Australia and before that I always thought I was gonna work in marketing and now I'm like we're throwing that out the window like I love this <laughs> I'm good at this and I want to do this and like stop being embarrassed to say, you know, yeah. like I'm a trainer or something like that. Or I'm sure performers sometimes almost have the same thing. I was like telling people, babe, here's the thing, right? This podcast, no embarrassment. We are transparent. We hang ourselves out to dry. So thank you for sharing that because that is a vulnerability mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's an insecurity that any gig worker or non-traditional nine-to-fiver can feel, mm -hmm. especially actors, because we hold so much weight in like a paycheck mm -hmm. or a job or IMDb credit. It's like, you're an actor, you're an actor. You're a painter, you're a painter. Mm -hmm. You're a trainer, you're a trainer. Like, yeah, it takes time to make money and build your clientele. And my services are worth money too, exactly, you know? Like, pay exactly. Pay me for what I'm doing. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I remember when I first graduated theater school, like, I worked for free for a little bit and then I was like, I'm done. I'm done working for free. Mm -hmm. I'm never working for free again and I haven't since then. And that's great. You know, you build the experience that you need to build and then, exactly, your time is money and it's valuable. So, do you think the... When did it happen for you? Because we'll get into your dance career, but before we do... Um, where you went, okay, I'm no longer a dancer or an active person. 
I want to do this for a living. Was that in New York when you took your no, first class? No, no. It was in Australia when I was like working full time in fitness without like fully realizing that I was working full time. Like I've always worked so many jobs. I always have three, four jobs at the yes. same time. Like I really love to work. So it was always a workhorse until I realized all of a sudden all my jobs were in the same field. Like I used to be like a waitress, a dancer all at the same time. Like a fitness instructor, uh, I worked in marketing and I'd have all four of the jobs at the same time. And like people would ask me what I do. And I was like, I do a lot of things. Like, and yeah. I would explain all four of them. They're like, you have all four jobs. And I was like, yes. Yeah. And then when I got to Australia, my three jobs were being a fitness trainer. I was like, oh, this is what I am. And it was like a really weird switch. But also coming out of that question being like, when did it switch out that you weren't a dancer or you weren't an athlete? Because I definitely related to that for a really long time. It was a really weird transition. And that was in 2015. Like, or two, no, 2016 was like when I realized like, holy crap, when people ask me what I'm doing, I used to say I'm a dancer or I used to say like I'm server yeah or an athlete like when I was younger like what do you do this is this is my job and like I no longer could say that I was no longer playing on like uh high and like high level sports teams I wasn't being paid to be a dancer anymore so I was like oh like what do I say now and I was like I'm a student like <laughs> so it's just always been a really like a really big transition and I really feel like in the last two years I've like come into my like comfortableness and owning what I do and yeah. what I am and like the more I'm comfortable with it the more good things happen like the more I get better jobs or, you know, like, um, I don't know, better brand deals or, or things like that, that are really aligned with what I am and who I am. And like, it aligns me with people who like the same thing. So it's just been amazing and I'm super happy and I love my job. You're so cute right yeah. now. Guys, podsters, it takes a lot for Chloe to be vulnerable in my opinion, correct me if I'm mm -hmm. wrong, babe, but like. I love when I, I can see it on your face, right? So, and I, I've known you for a very long time and I know what it's like to wait tables and I know what it's like to like hate what you're doing and then love what you're doing and have a really complicated relationship with it. I still have that. And you're exactly right. When you start acting from like your authentic self mm -hmm. and like really following your heart, not in a tacky way, but in a genuine way and like look how it's falling into place for you. Mm -hmm. So it's like... In a sense, you almost manifested this job for yourself because you took the workout randomly in New York City and then you randomly moved to Australia. You're part of that team there. You you lose your dream job. A pandemic happens. You come home. You start your own business. And now you're going to be on the founding team in Vancouver. Yeah. It's like, pretty cool. It's pretty I'm full like, circle. Yeah. It's pretty cool to be like that they're taking me from Montreal to go all the way to Vancouver when they could have you know, just taking people from Vancouver. But I feel like to that point being of manifesting things, like I look back at my life and I'm really somebody who like, if I say I'm going to do something, it's, it's going to happen. Like I really keep my word and uh, like, and that goes for jobs or things like I'll pinpoint things. I don't necessarily say them out loud, but they're definitely in my head. So it's probably like a little self manifesting. I don't know. I'm not <laughs> somebody who like necessarily writes it down or tells it to people because I do feel like that's bad luck but I'll say something in my head and I'll make it happen so I always had the berries thing and I never lost it and like I didn't say it out loud but when it came I was like wow like my dream came true like that happened or like the fact that I moved to Australia people were like what and I was like yeah I've always wanted to live there and people were like were like you're not gonna actually do this and then I just got up and did it and people were like whoa or even when I got Paris people were like are you gonna leave and I was like yes like Ciao. there's no way I'm not <laughs> going to and even Vancouver now it's another like huge decision and it was a big decision probably my hardest one yet but like 
once again, like you do have to put yourself first and it's what's best for me and my career, regardless of all the other things that are happening around me. And so it was a hard decision, but like, you know, like manifesting it and, you know, doing what I say and yeah. And following through. And I think that goes hand in hand with fitness training too. You know, you see it all the time. You set goals for yourself and you don't meet them or you say you're going to go to the gym and you don't like you beat yourself up or it's a vicious cycle and it's like, just commit, you know, and it, it's yeah. so much easier for me to sit here and say, just commit podsters. But right. if you have an idea and it brings you joy and it makes you happy, like that's what I've been talking about on this podcast, the yeah. leveling up, Chloe, yeah, yeah, yeah. what is your best advice to the podsters to level up? It doesn't have to be fitness related, but based on the kind of things that you've been saying, I don't know if I'm putting you on the spot. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's a hard question. Cause I feel like I'm still figuring it out, you know, in terms of people talking about confidence or you know like thinking that they're the best at things like I'm never like that I I really I'm always like looking up to other people and wanting to be around people who are better than me so I would say that that's a good way for me to level up is like to never to always be around people that can teach you something so as a trainer you know like I'm always trying to find like where I can learn more things and once I feel like I've mastered something then great like I keep perfecting that I keep working that and then I like I surround myself with more people who can teach me more things and like traveling has helped with that a lot like I've met a lot of great intelligent people and um it same goes for like all of the people around you you know like your friendship groups like to make sure you're surrounding yourself yeah, by you're the sum of people. the five people that you do spend yeah. the most time with right and like listening to podcasts to me has been life-changing because um like I don't really have the time to read people are like oh when you want to read you'll make time for it but just in the sense that I'm always on the go you know I'm driving from clients like left right and center driving to different studios my days are like 12 to 14 hours long like when I open a book I fall asleep so these podcasts like are things that I've always wanted to read about and learn about in terms of self-help and self-improvement like things that I really feel that I need to work on and like confidence and things like that when I listen to them in a podcast like I'm listening to like one to two podcasts a day in my car like driving back and forth from clients and I feel like I've learned so much in this last year so podcasts in general including yours have really helped me kind of like level up in the last year yeah no they're a great great way to do that I'm with you babe um and even for me like stepping into this journey Mm -hmm. of podcasting and have people be like Tina you're so so proud thanks babe I'm also very proud of you and you know to just have people tell me that I'm really good at it and like I'm a confident person. I always have been, Chloe, and you know that. But, you know, you rest on your laurels and you're, well, I'm the funny girl. That's what I am, you know? That's what I bring to the table acting-wise. Or, you know, I'm the brunette. I'm the down-to-earth one. It's like we're so much more than the boxes that we put ourselves in. And to say that I'm good at podcasting and this and that, it's like, for me, it's just been so great to have these conversations with my fucking friends. Mm -hmm. And, like, even talking to you right now, I'm like, wow, like, I didn't know that. And I'm like, oh, she's being really vulnerable there. And I'm like, I love it because it's therapy in a sense too, right? Like I always think of podcasts in that way and it's like everyone's got a different journey. Mm -hmm. Everyone's got a different perspective. So I feel like we're kind of going backwards. But now let's get into your dance career. Okay. So Chloe and I grew up dancing together, but you always had a million other things going on too. Yeah. I know you were a synchronized (laughs) swimmer, volleyball player. Let's get into that. Okay. Well, I grew up ever since I can remember playing every sport possible. Like, 
from age three, I think I did like swimming, skating, dance, uh, soccer, and I kept that up. Like, I don't recall personally, like, ever having the choice. Like, people are like, did you decide this? And I was like, well, my parents put me into it, but I loved it. Like, never complained. Like, I loved it, yeah. but that's how I grew up. Like, I didn't make the choice. Like, I wasn't like the five year old kid who was like, mom, I want to dance. And the mom's like, okay, like, let me put you in dance. Like, I was just put into it. Put like, in. my parents made me do everything. And I don't know, instead of like choosing one sport uh, to focus on, which is like, potentially a regret because I think that I'm a pretty like decent athlete and I think if I had chosen one sport to focus on like my goal growing up was always to go to the Olympics and so had I chosen one sport to be really great at instead of being good at a lot of things I think I could have gone really far in one sport but regardless I loved all the sports and like I was given the opportunity to give up all the other ones to focus on one so many times like in synchronized swimming at the time I was pretty talented and like these recruiters came and were like hey we want you to come to this club and it's like a full-time job like when you go to a full-time sports facility you know you're working out you're doing that sport eight hours a day you go to school two hours in the morning and they wanted me to do that and I said no because I couldn't give up like I didn't know which sport to give up so at the time like my main sports were like and I consider dance a sport so there was like dance absolutely <laughs> yeah one of the hardest ones too uh, there was dance, figure skating, synchronized swimming, and volleyball at the time. But I played every sport at my high school, like from curling to track and field, cross country, badminton. Like I really played everything. Um, and so, yeah, like tried to get all these like awards, like athlete of the year and stuff. I was really, really motivated and driven by sports. And so, um, yeah, what was your question again? No, just no. <laughs> No, you're fine. You're fine. Essentially, like, how it all kind of started oh, yeah. with dance. Like, how did yeah. you end up... Well, hold up. Because I remember you were going to, like, Jeudes Quebec. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I was, like, the provincial champion, like, synchronized swimming. We did it in badminton. Like, in a lot of things. I did a lot of things at the same time. And, like, I had to juggle so much stuff. And so, what I realized is, like, I feel like most people's regular childhoods and adolescent lives were completely different to mine whereas I didn't really realize what other people were doing I was in so much of my little sport bubble that I had no idea that like people socialized on weekends or something like I never had that chance like my schedule growing up was like I had sports in the morning during the week so from 7 to 9 a.m like my parents would drop me off at school at like 9 or 9 30 when I had school I'd have my school sport like I'd go to school all day then I'd have my school sport then my mom would come and pick me up I'd go to dance class from like five to like seven thirty and then after that I'd go to like the skating ring from seven thirty to nine PM and then I'd go home and repeat the same thing and on weekends it was even worse. Like weekends I had three sports in one day. Like I'd have skating in the morning, then synchronized swimming at night and then we'd have like a dance rehearsal for a competition. You no, know, I'm sitting here being like, like I remember you being like that, but like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what the fuck? Yeah, so I like juggled seven sports at the same time, like always, all the time and I made it happen. Like so it anyways it was normal to me. Were you happy, you think? Oh, yeah. I was so happy. Yeah. I loved doing all those things. It was only when I started to get maybe a little bit older, maybe yeah. around the age of 16, <laughs> when people were doing things on weekends. And I was like, hey, I can't. Like, I have this, this, this. Or like, oh, uh, prom. And I was like, I can't go to prom. I have a competition in New York City. Like, I was doing all these things that were, like, supposed to be normal. And I was not doing them because I had competitions or practices and all these things. Or 
when I started to have to juggle like, hey, we're doing six dance competitions this year. There's six figure skating ones. These ones overlap. Which ones do I do? And like, I managed to make them all happen. Like we would change some dance times or whatever. I knew my schedules ahead of time. But all that to say that I started to realize that maybe like I wanted a little bit more of like a normal life, probably in my last year of high school when you guys started going out. Like yes. you, guys, you guys were like 18, 19, I was 15, 16 guys. and they were going out and I was like, oh, okay, like they're like, Chloe, do you want to come? And I was like, yes, but like I can't. And then I start. that's when I started realizing like people had a life outside of sports. I thought everyone was like me or maybe not like me in terms of doing the sports, but like being so occupied. It was your normal. Yeah. Like I had no idea that people like on weekends just like sat at home or like, I don't really know what people did on weekends, but I certainly didn't do nothing. Like I had 12 hour days. Right. And I had a really go, go, go schedule too. I won't lie with theater school and dance and my brother was in hockey and But I remember my parents kind of had a rule, Chloe, and they didn't really want to do shit on weekends. Like, they did because we had competitions and hockey games, but, like, I I never took dance class on weekends. Well, I owe a lot of it to my parents, and the thing is that you don't realize when you're a kid what they're doing for you, but my mom had no life. Like, her life was driving me around from place to place. Like, that was... And then I have a brother, too, and he, like, did less sports because they couldn't fit it in because they had to drive me. And at the time, like... Love my brother, and he's talented. But at the time, I was the more talented athlete. <laughs> you were so. older. Like, you were yeah, more Yeah, and, like, more talent. Like, at the time, like, my brother's completely changed personalities, by the way. But at the time, like, I was extremely motivated. My brother was a little more, like, lazy. Like, they were pushing him into doing the sport. So he did less of them. They had to drive him around less. And I was definitely, like, the priority. And they drove me around everywhere. And I can't even fa- – I wouldn't have been able to do any of it without my parents driving totally. me around all the time. I mean, my dad was a taxi, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, like, hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah. I remember doing theater school like downtown Montreal and Podsters. We grew up just outside of the island, like mm-hmm. across the bridges. And people thought my dad were nuts. My dad were. He's multiple people apparently because mm-hmm. it was fucked. But people thought my dad was nuts that we would wake up. I remember he would come get me at, at a sleepover on a Saturday morning at like 8 a.m. Be like, okay, teeny, it's time for theater school. And I would leave the sleepover. I remember go to theater school. He would go get Montreal bagels and then drive me back to the shore. And it's like... Not, I mean, we're very lucky, Chloe. Yeah, I didn't realize at the time, yeah. but looking back now, I see, like, parents don't do that for their children, or, like, I wasn't grateful for it at the time, because I thought it was normal. Like, I thought everybody <laughs> was doing this, and I, you know, like, when my parents were, like, late, or, like, didn't want to drive me, and were, like, you know, as I got older, they like, take the bus, and I was, like, excuse me, and, like, yeah. I really thought that everybody else's parents drove them, and, like, did these things for them, when I'm, like, grateful now, because I didn't realize at the time, to be fair, because that's how I grew up from from no, like there's... birth. So I had no idea that people's parents didn't didn't drive them from sport to sport to sport to sport. Everyone's and I tired. Everyone different. was like that. But and as I got older, I obviously, like as I took a step back and you know focused more on one thing, then I was like, wow, like I couldn't have done. And people would say it, like your mom drives you everywhere. I was like, yeah, like it was yeah. insane. And like everyone's priorities are different, but at the end of the day, it shaped your journey insanely because mm-hmm. you're still very go 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 you yeah. did have four jobs at once so Chloe, when did it happen that you were correct me if I'm wrong I don't feel like you put all your eggs in one basket with dance I feel like you still had other things going no, on yeah like Moulin Rouge was definitely like the catalyst but before for that, that before that how did that happen so well that's pretty much like what started kind of 
my dance career. I think the, the first thing that made me realize, so as a dancer, I always felt like less than at our dance school. Like this is me being vulnerable. And Go like, ahead. Like, That's what the dance, podcast is Our for. dance teacher definitely had favorites and I was absolutely not one of them. Um, and so I never felt like I was great. Like I was always at the back of the like, like dance numbers, even though I worked really hard, I was flexible. I could do all the things and I just never got like recognition from that dance school. But I remember at one competition, I did a duo and I won a, like a bursary, like a scholarship to go to LA. And that was like the first time that I had been noticed. And like, they noticed me specifically. And I was like, Oh, like I didn't even stay for the award show because I thought that like nothing was going to happen. You weren't even there for your award. No, I left. Like I had to go to work. Like, like the award show was at six and like I'd competed at four and I had like accepted a job as a dancer though at six o'clock. So I like left and I had won like the highest award and a bursary and they were like where's where's Chloe and everyone's like she's not here she's at her eighth job because yeah yeah, I never thought that like that would happen so that was like a little like twinkle in my mind and I was like oh okay like I guess I'm not as like mediocre as I thought and so from then I got like a little agency in Montreal so I was 17 18 yeah I got an agency in Montreal and started booking like these dance gigs and I was like okay this is like I can do this and like they they booked me and it was great. And so I was like, okay. And then leading forwards to the Moulin Rouge audition, at the time I was working at Michael Kors just as a retail assistant. Oh, I and, remember that. Yeah. And in the newspaper the night before, this is a Thursday night, guys, to set the tone. Uh, I get home and like the newspaper, which I never <laughs> read, is open on like the dining room table to a big, huge like Moulin Rouge ad that's saying that they're doing their Canadian audition tour. Like if you don't know Moulin Rouge, it's a big establishment in Paris. Uh, there was a movie about it with Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor. And it's like the number two most photographed uh, thing in Europe after the Eiffel Tower. Is it really? Yeah. Awesome. People go and take photos there. It's a big red windmill um, in downtown Montmartre in Paris. And so essentially, like, the audition was the next morning. So, like, fast forward, it's Thursday night, and I see this, and, and it says, like, we're looking for dancers who are 5'9 and above. And if you don't know me, I'm 5'11". She's a tall one, I am tall, and there's a <laughs> lot of jobs that I can't audition for as a dancer because most of the time you have to be short and, like, tall doesn't work so I was like oh my gosh and my mom's like you should go to this and I was like I can't I work tomorrow morning at 9 a.m she's like see if somebody can like replace you so I message everybody at Michael Kors can anyone take my shift everyone's like nope and I was like okay well it's not meant to be like I'm gonna go to bed but then at midnight one of my co-workers was like hey I actually need more money like I can take your shift and thankfully I was awake at midnight you wouldn't catch me awake at midnight now but I was like okay great and so um yeah, me and my friend went to the audition and I was so underprepared, which is why I think it went so well. Like I didn't have the time to be nervous. I didn't have the yeah. time to prepare. I didn't have time to be stressed. I remember on the audition paper, it says like show up like natural, no makeup bodysuit. Show up. We're the only ones natural with no makeup. Everyone's got like red lips, fake eyelashes. I looked like such a loser compared to all of them. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? The audition paper said like natural makeup so I'm they're natural and everybody's like full face of makeup hair in their bun like looking beautiful and I was like great like I'm already gonna fail um that was like my first big audition so going to the audition it starts going well like immediately they they like typecast everybody like too short away too tall don't fit the mold like away like they made us just stand in a line that was the first time that happened to me too like just based on the way you look 
And then as the audition went to happen, like as the audition was happening, like I was doing really well. Like I never left an audition being like, damn, like I killed it. You know, like I had auditioned for things before that and always been really nervous and psyched myself out or like forgot the choreography. But it, I was so nonchalant about it that it was great. Then like the, the ballet director kept pulling me to the front and like starting me at the front and the audition was really long. It was four hours of dancing, lots of kicking to my forehead. And at the end, they kept three of us, me and two guys. And they essentially were like, okay, thank you so much. You're in our bank of artists. Like, yes, the roster. Yeah, you're in the roster. Like, hopefully this happens. It could be eight months. It could be a year. If you don't hear from us in a year and a half, like, consider it, like, not happening. But, like, it's not going to be tomorrow. It might be in a year and a half. Yeah. But thank you. You've made it to the end. And, like, now you're in our bank of artists. And, like, they filmed us doing the last choreography and all this stuff. So... I leave and I'm like, oh, okay, that kind of went well. Yeah, like everyone's I like, remember how, this. How did it go? And I was like, I think it went well. Like I, I was the only girl to make it to the end, and like nobody from Quebec had ever been to Moulin Rouge, so for them, like it's cool for them to have somebody from yeah. that city. And so fast forward to September. So my audition was in July, and I just had like this feeling. I remember telling them. Like, if it's going to be this year, can it be before September 16th? Like, who says that to casting agents? Nobody. Yes, I had school. So I was starting my first year of university. Um, Actually, no, it was my second year. First or second? Yeah, because I was going to say, you took a break from school to go. Yeah. So it was my second year of uni. I was going into it, and it starts September 1st. And the drop deadline for your classes is September 16th. You like, (laughs) otherwise, if you don't drop by then, you get like a disc on your account, which like you don't want. So. Anyways, I didn't go to class for the first two weeks of school. Like, something in my stomach was like, you're going to get this. Like, or, and if it doesn't work out, then you can start going to school after two weeks. So, like, everybody was going to school, and I was just sitting on my butt. And it was, like, the first time I had a holiday even, right? Because when you're at school, like, I was working so much, and I was just like, this is great. I have nothing to do for two weeks. And so then on September 16th, the drop deadline, I kept refreshing my email nothing and I was like oh crap like I'm gonna have to go to school and I remember my boyfriend at the time I was like I was like I didn't get it like this uh, like oh and he was like oh I'm so sorry and I was like okay anyways go to school that day and I'm like okay I like have to actually go to class 3 p.m refresh my emails they're like congrats you got the like you got the job send us over your passport we're gonna start getting all these visa things done right away and I was like Oh my God. Like I was like jumping around my house and I was like, I knew it, I knew it. Like, oh my gosh. And so, yeah. So then I got Molly Rouge and they moved two weeks later. They needed me there October was 1st. Was soon? Because I was already yeah. in Toronto at the time. Yeah. So I was 19 years old and I was so excited. Packed a bag, moved to Paris. And then it was insane. And that was my first like official, I mean, it's one of the highest paying dance jobs I think you can get. It's super stable. Um amazing job and like good introduction to the dance world because I was so out of it as a what I would well, say that's like so unusual though Chloe yes. like people who get those work jobs. their lives for it <laughs> and and I do kind of know that and yeah. I remember when you booked it I would literally was like sitting there like doing the face I was like yeah if you guys can see me my eyes are squinted and I was like this bitch figured it out and as someone like me who's been auditioning her whole life like I knew the level I was like yo she got this like and it was a big moment like Montreal you know say what you want like it's a metropolitan city it's a dance city whatever but like it's a big deal to get these jobs like and I remember being so impressed so excited so proud and 
yeah, you up and left, and you were there for how long? Um, just over a year and a half. But yeah, it was like a it was a big deal. Like not that I didn't work my ass off for it. Like it totally did, and I always worked hard. But getting there was the big shocker to me. So when I got there, underestimating yourself. No, though, right? no, it wasn't that. It was everybody around me. So I can I came from like a school background. Like I was now in in school doing a bachelor's of commerce in marketing, and like. When I got there, I asked everybody what they were studying because I assumed that this, like, that this job was, like, just a casual job like it was for me. And everybody was like, oh, I studied, like, I did a BFA in in dance or, like, a Bachelor's of Fine Arts. Or the girl who was with me went to the Royal Ballet School, like, which is insane. So I was like, oh, like, when she said I went to the Royal Ballet School, I was like, oh, haha, like, but what did you study? Like, what did you go to school for? And she was like, ballet. And I was like, no, what do you mean? Like... By the way, in Montreal, uh, there's only one full-time dance school, and we don't ever hear about it, and so you don't go to dance school full-time. Like, that doesn't exist in Montreal, where you're at dance, like, Monday through Sunday all day long. So I was like, wait, what do you mean? Like, you go to the Royal Ballet? She's like, well, I, I do dance. And I would just remember being dumbfounded, so asking everybody there, and everybody there was a dancer. Like, this was their lifetime job, lifetime just... goal. They went to school for this. They studied, and I was like, oh, my gosh. What? Well, they just finished a cruise ship. And they're like, well, what do, you mean? what do you do? And I was like, a Bachelor of Commerce. I'm currently studying marketing. And they were like, what? And I was like, they were like, are you a dancer? I was like, well, of course. Like, I've danced my whole life. Yeah, Yeah, and then that was, to me, like, really the shocker. Like, I remember FaceTiming my mom that night and being like, they all studied dance. Like, I didn't know you could do that. Was it intimidating? It was so intimidating. And then I I started to, like, belittle myself because then, had I not known that, I came in the same playing field and we were all the same level. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, we ended up being the same. I danced, I want to say, just as well as them. But, um, yeah, then I was like, oh, my God, these girls are amazing. They dance eight-hour days, like, the whole time. And I think the first week of rehearsals, my body was like, what the fuck did you just do? Like, I was high-kicking my head eight for eight hours, and, like, my muscles couldn't move, and everybody else seemed to be okay. So I was like, that's where their training comes into play. <laughs> and I was like, ooh, I'm sore. But we got into it, and... Yeah, then I learned so much about the entertainment industry and was like, okay, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be a professional dancer. And so I was like, I can do this. And it gave me like a lot of opportunities afterwards with like an agency and just booking other jobs. And so afterwards, when I left Moulin Rouge, I made the decision just because it's like a little bit of a bubble. And I think I started to go like, I was not self-confident enough to be in an environment like that. And I, I... felt the need to leave like I had gotten really bad acne which sounds so so I, I remember you struggled so with random yeah. but like from the stage makeup and it was just so horrible that I would look at myself in the mirror and be like oh my god and it's so competitive when you're in a little bubble of the only people you're talking to are dancers who are all like aiming for the next promotion or the next like that's all we talked about and in Paris like we didn't make very many other friends because we worked at night so you don't meet people at 3 p.m in the afternoon you know what I mean our shows were from 7 to 2 so like I was out like no one hangs out with you at those times so I was very much in this little bubble that was making me go crazy you know like what people looked like you know like oh my gosh I put four pounds on like people are gonna say I'm fat you had to keep like a similar weight and I thought I was really confident going into it and when I got there it just like tore me apart and I realized like so many things about myself and in the end I just needed to leave like that's why I left it was not like they offered me another contract it it wasn't like you know I I made the decision to leave I was like no I I can't do this and I I really wanted to finish my bachelor's degree as well I was starting to be like stressed out that I wasn't going to finish 
Um, so I left after a little bit over a year and a half and moved back to Montreal, finished my bachelor's degree, and then did a bunch of things in Montreal. Like I did a show at the casino. I was in the, like, the bur- like the burlesque, the movie show. We copied all the dances and like ran a show at the casino for <laughs> a few months, which was really great because that was a solid job. Like it was Fridays and Saturdays yeah. and like I had a full on dance show and it was great to feel like I was in a show. And then I did a lot of like random little jobs. And then I think that that started to filter out when I first stepped foot into a gym and I was like, oh my God, I love this. Like I feel like a sporty person again. Then I kind of started to transition from like dancer into fitness. Yes, I remember that. And I'm glad that we kind of went backwards in your journey to kind of make it full circle. And thank you for being so vulnerable with your struggles at Moulin Rouge. Cause I do remember, and you were young, Chloe, like let's not forget, right? Even when I've done some of my ship contracts and I, I see the girls who are 20, 21 even, that to me, that's young. I was 19. That is fucking young. Yeah. And you were half naked on stage, mm-hmm. like, with... <sighs> with the most beautiful girls in the world, by the way. If you don't know, like, Moulin Rouge, like, they definitely a big part of hiring is, like, what, you're, what you look yeah. like, which is a horrible thing to say, but it's absolutely the reality. So... When you go from feeling like a normal person in, you know, your city in Montreal, Dublin, wherever I'm you're like, from. I'm like, she's not normal, but okay. No, but wherever you're from, like, there's people from all around the world. Like, we're all from little towns, wherever. And then you get into, like, this, you know, sea of, like, 50 beautiful, tall, leggy. like, leggy dancers who are all successful, amazing. Like, you're like, holy crap. Or for me, maybe other people aren't, but my reaction was, like, like where do I fall into this sea of people? And... I didn't have the confidence to be like, you know, like separate myself from like the job and like my life. <laughs> like totally. it was all in, it was all one. But I totally understand that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sitting here being like, yeah. And that's where, you know, I'm not going to point the finger at anyone, but you know, that's where performers need help and need support. Right. And it, I do want to feel like it's changing, but at the end of the day, it's a cabaret, you know, mm-hmm. like it is what it is. And that's what I tell people too, with like the acting industry, it's like, Sure, you can fight it all you want, but there are certain realities, right? And so thank you for sharing that, babe. Um, We've been talking a while. Like, you have given me your story. And even me, I'm sitting here being like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And I'm trying to think, Chloe, if there's anything (laughs) we want to add. I'm like, what's my favorite story with this bitch? Huh. I'm like sitting here. Hmm. Hmm. Do you remember that time we were taking a cab back from downtown? Yes. <laughs> and the cab driver went through the red light and then we got kicked. We almost got a ticket. We got pulled over by the cops, so the cab did, and, and yes. we were just hammered on the street corner. It was a Monday night, guys. Monday night. We went out on a Monday. We got so drunk. Megan was there too. <laughs> me and Megan. And this cab driver is driving us back from downtown speeds through this giant intersection red light right where he sped through there was a cop just sitting there it was by the way it was like 3 30 in the morning on a oh, Monday on like there was nobody on the streets but right where the light was he went through the red light there was a cop right there pulls us over we didn't have our seatbelts on we're like trying to put our seatbelts on scrambling while the cops are coming over and the cops come over and get mad at us. They're like, you ladies weren't wearing our seatbelts. We're like, what is this for? You stop the guy for going through a red light and we're getting in trouble. He's like asking us for our IDs. We're freaking out. We have to get out of the, the cab. The cab driver has his hands behind his head. He was an illegal immigrant. So they're asking them him for his ID. That's why he was That's freaking out. That's why he was out. freaking out. He, the cab driver was losing his mind that he got pulled over. 
We were like, what is going on? We were kilometers away from home. And the so cops, we walked. Yeah, the cops finally <laughs> were like, we were like, we didn't do anything wrong. Like, we're doing the right thing. We're drunk and we took a cab home. Like, <laughs> you guys stopped the cab. Why are you stopping us? And then they were like, fine, you guys can go. We were a solid three kilometers away from home in heels. And we walked home. I just want to say, I wasn't <laughs> in heels. Homegirl was rocking the flats even back then. And I remember Chloe... Your parents have always been strict, and you were like, I can't go home, Dee yeah. I can't go home. She slept on my couch. Like, so funny. I'll never forget that night. Yeah. So, babe, is there anything that you want to add for the podsters? We also need to know where to find you. Uh, you guys can find me on Instagram at Chloe Barr, C H L O E B A R. You can also check out my website. It's chloebarfitness.com. It's got all of my information, which will soon change because I'm moving to Vancouver. So out with Montreal, moving into Vancouver, that's secret information. But by the time this podcast comes out, yes. it will be public information. So um, yeah, just like another big life change. And if you guys want to follow along for my fifth city that I'm living in, uh, <laughs> you can follow my journey. I'm definitely going to be documenting everything about moving my entire life across to Vancouver in well, two weeks. <laughs> I commend you because I know that things are going on in your personal life that you're leaving behind. Yeah. But trust me when I know that when you choose you mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. act from your authentic self, I'm slurring because I've had a vodka soda that you're not going to go wrong, right? Yeah, and that's something that, like, I would really love to tell people is, like, if ever there's these big opportunities that show up for you and you have a boyfriend or you have, like, a reason that you feel like you're staying at home, all I have to say is no matter how hard that decision is, is, like, always put yourself first. Like, if things are meant to be, they will be, right? So, you know, if you have a boyfriend and it's leaving and, like, that's a reason that you're not taking a big decision, whether it's, like, a new job or, like, a new city or a huge new opportunity, like, you just need to do it and you'll always be happier. And things I will, couldn't agree more. Yeah. Things will always work out. It's very easy for me to sit here and say it, but I've done it. No, but it's super hard. Like, my decision yeah. to go to Vancouver was a really hard decision. Like, I have a boyfriend and, like, he's staying in Montreal and, like... Was that an easy decision? Absolutely not. But, you know, it's what's best for me. So Absolutely, babe. And as someone, I've also done long distance and the right person will stick around. And it's not even about the right person. But like you said, what's meant to be will be. And every choice that you make is the right choice. Yeah. Are we good? We're good. Okay. I love you, babe. Thank you for sharing your story top to bottom, guys. Like you got it all from Chloe. (laughs) I talk a lot. You do talk a lot, but you don't talk this vulnerable, if I'm being honest. Okay. That's what Layla said. Miss Layla. Miss Layla. I did a session with Layla into it. So go back and take a listen to that episode on season one, guys, because there's a cute little promo. And yeah, that's it, Chloe. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Chloe. Be sure to congratulate her podsters on her new endeavor. Give her a follow on Instagram. She's always posting fun content from like Aperol spritzes to her fitness moves of the day. She is moving across the country. It's going to be a whirlwind. And if you're in the Vancouver area, be sure to take her berries class. I know I took my first berries class last week and I feel like I'm still recovering, but it was so much fucking fun and I can't wait to go back. 
back and everyone there was gorgeous. So it was quite easy on the eyes. That being said, I really enjoyed our conversation. It was transparent and it was really cool to see how, you know, I compare my situation to others and just kind of look at the parallels, look at the differences and be able to talk through them. Very inspiring stuff. Let's keep leveling up podsters. We've got two more episodes after this to wrap up season two. Check out Smooth My Balls and Four Ocean with the promo codes are you okay at checkout. Be sure to check out my merchandise. Lots in store for you guys. And I want to leave us with a quote today because we talked a lot about fear and confidence and just like making those big decisions. So I leave you with this. What you are afraid to do is a clear indication of the next thing you need to do. Absolutely love that. I think anyone can relate. And then, of course, we always have to remember this trusty, dusty Pinterest quote. Everything you want is on the other side of fear. Jake Canfield. Cool. So, guys, let's keep kicking ass and let's keep leveling up. And I'll see you next week. 